Hey, this is Manish Jain, and you're listening to the Performalux Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about performance and luxury, or as we like to call it, Performalux. Today we have Gautam Madnani of Lamborghini Mumbai. Not only did he set up Lamborghini in Bombay, but he is a huge car fan. Thank you, Manish. Thanks. So I will admit I am a, uh, a junkie for startup stories, and I believe the startup story for Lamborghini is quite interesting. And I'll let you uh, talk about it and how Lamborghini came to be and how he had a tiff with Ferrari. And here we are today. So, uh, well, it's, it's great to be here and uh, speaking about the brand that's so close to my heart. I think uh, most people know that Lamborghini is a brand that was born out of passion. Right? It was the passion, uh, the vision of a man by the name of Ferruccio Lamborghini, who was an engineer by profession, um, was obviously he was an, he's an Italian, and um, he had a tractor company, he used to build tractors. Uh, it was a very successful company, and he was a very wealthy businessman because of that. He also was very passionate about wines and stuff, but that's, that's for another story. However, um, he was also a car collector, he was a car lover. Uh, growing up, he used to tinker with Fiat's um, he owned a Mercedes-Benz 300 SL in his life. He's owned, he had two Maserati 3500 GTs. Um, and then finally he decided to get himself a Ferrari. And if I'm not mistaken, it was a Ferrari 250. Uh, he loved his Ferrari. And uh, the only problem that he was facing uh, with the Ferrari constantly was with the clutch. And because as we all know, the Ferrari started building road cars to actually support their uh, motorsport business. So I think maybe it's because they were tuned more for the track and not so much for the road, but his clutch was what was problematic. And being the engineer that he was, he decided to take the clutch apart and uh, fixed it himself. And he built a better clutch, uh, went to Enzo Ferrari and uh, showed him what he had done. And I think uh, there was a bit of an ego clash that happened at that point. And uh, well, legend says that Enzo Ferrari told him that you're a farmer or something like that. And then you need to stick to your business and don't teach me mine. And uh, well, Ferruccio then decided that he would build a car and he said, I'll build a better car than, than Ferrari. And it's, it's a debate that's been going on for the last 55 years now, since 1963. And uh, well, that's, that's how Lamborghini was born uh, in Santa Gata, Bolognese. Uh, and it's still built at the same factory till today. And I think it's uh, more amazing is it's literally probably what, 30, 40 kilometers away from Maranello. Yes. So it's very close Absolutely. by. Yes. So, so that's a history of Lamborghini. Uh, and you actually, obviously such a car guy, you actually were the main business head for setting up in Bombay. Can you give us a little bit of background on that? Knowing just the dynamics of having a performance car in India with you know the lack of good infrastructure, not many tracks and the high import duties. I do believe there is a huge fan following and yes. I think you can talk about that. Of course. So, well, uh, the things you mentioned, uh, lack of infrastructure and the lack of us having a, a track near Mumbai. Yes, these, these things are definitely challenges that we face. Uh, however, there's still a lot of people who have, uh, of course, money is the common denominator that you need uh, when purchasing such a car. But along with money, you need passion. And there is a lot of people who have passion to own these cars. And eventually, for, for a lot of them, it's the passion that says, you know, why deprive yourself of owning something like this? So that's where we saw potential that, look, there are people, there's, there's really not much we can do about the infrastructure ourselves or the high import duty. Uh, but if there is people with passion who want to own these cars and drive them, then we're here to support them because uh, the brand was built with passion, they bought with passion these cars and we sell them with passion. So, you know, so there is a connect between us and our customers. And uh, when Lamborghini entered India officially uh, towards the end of 2011, and I've been a part of the team ever since. Uh, I helped set up the first uh, dealership for Lamborghini, which was under the Auto Hangar Group. 
back then unfortunately couple of years later you know they parted ways but um, it's been it's been a very uh, interesting journey from the beginning because when we uh, initially set this up in 2011 um, not many people were confident that they'd be able to own such a car they were not confident that these kind of cars can be serviced or taken care of from the after sales point of view they were not confident whether they would be able to use them but uh, as the community of sports car owners grew as we sold more cars uh, people started driving them more and now we've seen how you know people are comfortable driving these cars over much longer distances and uh, they do so with without any problems whatsoever Great. Well, I think the big news out of the uh, Geneva Auto Show for Lamborghini was they launched the Huracan Performante Spider. But what I think more people were anticipating was the launch of a potentially the next generation of the Aventador or something, the, the next one. And I think it was the supposedly the SVJ was supposed to come, which is a super veloce Yota. But it was pretty silent. So you have any words and thoughts on what you think is going to come down the pipeline? Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure if it's going to be called the SVJ. But yes, I've been reading all the chatter online on the Internet and all the rumors about uh, what it's going to be called. Yes, there, I mean, can't deny the fact that there is a new Aventador just around the corner because we've all seen the spy photographs. Um, well, officially, as, as a representative of the brand, I'm, um, I mean, to be honest, I don't have much information about it. But uh, being, the, being the car enthusiast and the petrolhead that I am, I have been following it very closely on the internet myself. And what we can see definitely is um, changed aerodynamics on this car. Uh, we can, of course, expect more power on this car. It's going to be lighter, hopefully. I mean, that's, that's what Lamborghini has always done with the SVs um, as well. And uh, yes, I, I myself was hoping that uh, they would unveil this at Geneva, but I, I, I just think from a brand perspective to, to unveil um, the, the Huracan Performante Spider and the Urus, although the Urus was unveiled earlier, but it was the first big show where it would be showcased to the entire world. And then to do a third model would probably have been a bit much for them. And I think they're just waiting also maybe to get the, the new Aventador ready before they, they unveil it. And being, I mean, the V12 being the flagship car, I think they wanted to have a solo unveil and not clubbed with um, something else. No, it makes sense. So, I mean, I, one of the things I've realized about, uh, you know, Lamborghini is, you know, the Aventador is, you know, naturally aspirated big block V12. Yes. And if you look at, you know, the marquee cars from, let's say, Porsche with their 918 mm -hmm. or the LaFerrari from Ferrari, they're either turbocharging or they're putting electric motors. Do you think that's something that the Aventador may come down that path? Or do you think a whole new platform may come where they have, you know, some of those a mix or match of that because of the emissions issues? Uh, well, um, I think if we just go back maybe two years, um, the ex-CEO of Lamborghini, Stefan Winkelmann, had uh, made a comment or rather a statement which was quoted by the media uh, where he stated that um, Lamborghini will try and retain their naturally aspirated engine, especially for the flagship uh, V12, at least for the next decade. I mean, I think they're going to try and push it as late as possible um, because, I mean, these are probably the last of the naturally aspirated supercars that uh, money can buy or that, that human beings as a, you know, as a, you know, as a species can, can actually buy before everyone goes either the turbocharged way or the plug-in hybrid electric way or the all electric way. But uh, I, I definitely think that, yes, at some point in time in the future, it is inevitable and there's nothing that anyone can do about that. But I think Lamborghini as a brand will try and pull that for as, as long as possible, you know, to keep the pure the pureness of these of these cars, which is a naturally aspirated big block uh, engine. Yeah, that I mean, it's definitely a dying breed. And I think, you yes. know, the writing is on the wall based on EU emission controls and levels. Um, so one of the things is, you know, you mentioned that Urus was launched uh, uh, a month before 
than the Geneva Auto Show. And in fact, they had the launch here in India, and yes. I think it was very well received. Yes. And I think the they are actually going down the path. You know, the Urus is the first twin turbocharged you know Lamborghini product. It's yes. uh, it's a V8 that kicks out some 640 horsepower. Yes. So it's a menace. And uh, do you think that they will go down the path of maybe even a Tesla Model X where it's, you know, a pure electric or do you think they'll do a hybrid? Um, I'm not so sure on whether they do a, a, a Tesla type complete, I mean, a full electric car. I do think, um, you know, just being being from the industry, I, I do think it's inevitable that they would have, they will target the plug-in hybrid uh, market because um, in, in many countries there are tax benefits and then that also as a brand it enables them to reach out to a, a wider audience and, and actually sell more cars. One of the reasons why they have a 4 litre uh, V8 twin turbo also is and this has been widely speculated it's not an official thing but um, because China as a market has a, a higher import duty on cars that exceed a 4 litre engine and um, a lot of people believe that that's probably one of the reasons why they picked that engine size because I mean who would not have loved to see a V10 or a V12 Urus you know I mean something like the LM002 had with a big V12 but uh, I think also from a business perspective it just made more sense um, also with with technology because today you know turbocharged engines are being built um, you know with with such amazing technology that you don't feel the turbo lag and they produce so much more power and torque that I think I think that's uh, you know one of the reasons why they had to also you know get in the 4 litre V8 twin turbo for the Urus. Oh, okay. So the other car in the Lamborghini uh, stable is the uh, Huracan. And yes. I think that is still has probably another three, four years left of the platform. Probably more than that. More than that? Probably more okay. than that. Okay. Yeah. So I would imagine they're probably ripe for a hybrid coming there. Um, it's possible. I mean, anything is possible. And we've seen, uh, especially nowadays, a lot of brands are doing these, uh, a very quick turnaround, you know, where they, where they pick a particular technology that they want to use. And it does not take them as long as it would have maybe a decade ago to develop the technology. Also, uh, being a part of the Volkswagen Audi group, um, Lamborghini has the, you know, the technical know-how within the group for them to, you know, to pick and choose uh, different technologies. For example, Porsche now with the e-hybrid is, has ventured into that direction. I, I, mean, I mean, I don't think Lamborghini uh, would, would need too much, uh, you know, to dip into that and, and see if they can utilize that. It would be interesting to see what a, a plug-in uh, Huracan feels like or drives like. But uh, I, again, I, I think that they will um you know try and and keep it away from from the huracan because the huracan again is a pure uh, supercar v10 naturally aspirated and i think if they do that right now it may you know maybe may a bit maybe a bit soon okay so what if you had to pick from any three naturally aspirated hybrid or you know pure electric right now what would you want to choose I, I, I don't think I'll I'd even waste um, a quarter of a second in deciding that would be naturally aspirated for sure. That's the problem with us car heads. That's the only <laughs> thing we can think of because yes. I think for me it all ends up going down to the exhaust note. Just hearing Absolutely. that exhaust is just amazing. Absolutely. So. Unless unless someone develops a, a turbocharged exhaust note that can match one of a naturally aspirated car, I think I'll still stick with it. I'm that. sure there's a big business in that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so over the next six to 18 months, what are some of the cars you're excited to see on the roads of Bombay or you know in India in general? Of course, there are lots of cars being, you know, introduced around the world, but it's always fun, you know, when you can own, you can buy, you can drive a car in India. And what is, you know, what is your horizon? What do you see that is going to be amazing? So, so as a Lamborghini person, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Urus on our roads, of course, because I'm sure with the kind of response that we've got by just showing the Urus to customers, once they actually see it on the road and start driving these cars, I'm sure we'll have a lot many more 
customers that enter this brand and and for a lot of our our customers the urus has actually been their entry point into the brand you know and i'm pretty confident that a lot of these guys once they drive the urus will be future uh, lamborghini sports car owners i'd also uh, i mean i'm very excited to see what the the new aventador will be like and and i'm sure we'll have a couple of them on the road in india but that's me as a lamborghini person as a, as a car enthusiast there's a lot many more cars that i'll be interested to see one of course is the new ferrari 488 pista Um oh my gosh I can't believe you said Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. Are you allowed to say that actually as a Lamborghini person? Uh, well not officially but um, <laughs> as long as this as long as the cl- this clip doesn't make its way to Santa Gata in Italy uh, I think I'm safe. But yes as a car person I'd love to see the 488 Pista. I think it's it's definitely a beautiful car. It's um it is to the 488 hopefully what the 458 Speciale was to the 458. Uh, apart from that I I'd love to see other manufacturers bring in sports cars at lower price points. You know, for example, Toyota has um, a model called the GT86, which they sell. They do sell that in right-hand drive markets in the UK, and it's under thirty thousand pounds in the UK. Right. I think if they if they bring that in, if they get their pricing strategy right, just like Ford did with the Mustang, they they will de- because there there is no shortage of people with passion in India. I mean, we've we've all grown up from a time where our dads just drove Fiats and Ambassadors, and then came the Marutis, and it's there's just been such a quick evolution in the last two decades. that i think um, and especially with young people making a lot of money these days there's there's definitely a lot of potential to to develop this market and i think if if let's say if toyota brings in the gt86 if uh, even a brand like volkswagen they had the eos which was well not exactly a sports car but it was um, you know based on the golf platform or if they get the golf for example if they get the golf gti or the golf gli or the sirocco you know models like that i think that would be really exciting um, skoda has got it right i mean i'm going way off of this market but with the vrs for example with the new Uh, VRS. So it it only shows that there are people with this passion, and if there are people with passion at that price point, I'm sure they will aspire and then graduate to own bigger and and better sports cars as the years go by. So yeah, I, I just saw that Skoda you just mentioned, and yes. it looks amazing actually. Absolutely. And at that price point, it's really good. Exactly. And I think you're right. You know, I think a lot of you know Indians they have a lot of disposable income now, yes. and I think a lot of them are kind of shying away from buying a house. I think they just yes. don't mind dumping all that money into yeah, because, a car. Because cars in India are very aspirational. You know, I mean, in a matured market like the U.S., people buy cars. A lot of people buy cars only based on need. You know, if you have a family, you need a van or an SUV. Then you decide your budget, and then you have. choices to choose from in india for example if if we just go back to dec- i mean three decades to the early 90s when maruti came with the maruti 1000 right it became an uh, aspirational dream just because it was a car with a boot at the back you know and um, when when expensive hatchbacks entered india they were perceived as expensive because people didn't want to pay that kind of money for a car that didn't have a trunk but then we matured into that we we realized that yes it it does make sense but i still feel that cars are a very aspirational purchase You know, in a city like Mumbai, honestly, uh, owning a car is is quite a nightmare for a lot of people. But we still do that because we aspire to own them, and we we love cars. You know, so so I think that uh, I think brands have a huge potential with with a lot of models in India. No, I agree. I think you know that uh, when, when you're uh, when you're a car head, you're a petrol head. You know, you just want to have that car no matter what. Even yep. with you know all of the you know Uber and Ola, all of that happening in India, the revolution. Exactly. You know, still people ask me, would you want to have a car in one year? I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to have a car. I want to have some awesome kick-ass car. Absolutely. You know, I want yeah. something that has 500, 600 horsepower. <laughs> They're like, that makes no sense. Will you drive it? I said, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I want that car. Exactly. And 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 I think that's what we've seen with all the owners as well. A lot of our owners, they realize that yes, um, it it. I mean, the car the car that they buy just needs to appeal to the heart and not to the mind because if they start applying their mind to it, it the mind is definitely going to say no right so they just use their heart the mind probably just decides how much they want to spend and then the heart decides what to get 
So, so they they just you know they've taken the plunge, and I think uh, everyone's happy. I've always said if you try to buy a car in inside of an Excel sheet, it will tell you don't buy it, don't buy it, don't buy it. But exactly. the one thing that Excel doesn't capture is that emotion, emotion, that excitement. Absolutely, and that's the thing. So when you look at it through the lens of an Excel sheet, yeah, it makes no sense. It's a depreciating asset. Blah blah blah. But Something that just, that smile on your face when you, you know, hit 200 kilometers an hour exactly. and that exhaust is, is amazing. Exactly, exactly. And and that, that smile is worth a lot more than the depreciation or the maintenance cost or anything else because there are as, some things as, that money can't buy. At least to me and you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and hopefully a, a, a wider variety or a wider yeah. audience. Exactly. So, so you've been associated with uh, Lamborghinis since 2011. You must have a couple of your favorite Lamborghinis. I've got yes. a couple of mine, but I'd like to hear from you. So I think my most favorite Lamborghini would definitely be the Countach. Uh, and within the Countach, it would be the 25th anniversary edition. Um, couple of reasons. Uh, one is, well, that was the first Lamborghini that I ever saw in my life. Uh, it was the year 1995. We were on a holiday with, I was on a holiday with my parents. We were in London and I spotted a white Countach uh, at a signal and I snatched the camera from my dad's hand. It was a simple Ricoh 35mm point and shoot. And I didn't realize that the car was too far from, you know, away from me to get to get a clear shot. But I I took a photograph, and uh, I still have that photograph till date. On the same on the same uh, holiday, I also bought my first scale model, which was a one S to eighteen scale Countach again, and I still have that till date. It's it's now it's been twenty three years. Wow! And I think I've been a Lamborghini fan ever since. So I think the Countach is very special to me, and so that would be my most favorite. I think second to the Countach would be the Miura. Because uh, the Mura, um, it has been, it's probably the, one of the most beautiful cars um, in the world ever made along probably with the Jaguar E-Type and well, if I may say it, the Ferrari 250 uh, GTO. But uh, yes, the Mura is beautiful. It was, it was the car that actually put Lamborghini on the global uh, map, uh, although it came after the 350 GT. Um, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's, it's, it's nothing more than just a stunning piece of, of art. I haven't driven it and I hope to drive it someday if, if one, if someone allows me to, you know, to drive one. But, uh, and I think the third most, uh, favorite for me would probably be the Gallardo. And within the Gallardo, it would be the 550-2, the rear wheel driven, uh, Gallardo because it's, it's just a classic, um, supercar, right? Mid engine, all the power to the rear wheels. Uh, not too many electronics taking over uh, your drive, and uh, very mechanical. And you 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 feel every you feel the road, you feel everything, and the steering is non corrupted because it's it's a rear wheel driven car. So I think yeah, these would be my three favorite Lamborghinis. Super. So I'd say for me, uh, it's really the Aventador. And I'll be honest with you, I was not really a lifelong fan of Lamborghini. In fact, I've seen, of course, the Countach, the Diablo, those cars. But really, for me, it was in 2011. Um, I believe in uh, I think it was February, uh, the Geneva Auto Show in 2011, the Aventador was released. Yes. I happened to be in Manhattan in September, and I called up the Lamborghini dealer, which is Manhattan Motor Works, and I said, do you have a uh, Aventador? They're like, you know what, sir, we're, we're getting one tomorrow. So I woke up the next morning, got there, and the car was just coming off the truck. And to see that Aventador sitting on the streets of New York, it looked like, you know, a stealth jet fighter had just landed. It was in that matte black finish called Nero Nemesis. Nero Nemesis. And it was just a menace to see the car and hear it. And I think from then on, I just realized, my God, these guys... It's typical Italians, they just know how to do things. And it's just amazing. And so for me, it's been the Aventador. And then ever since then, you know, the other cars that have come along, such as the Huracan is also quite amazing. And even the new Urus, I love. So for me, it's more the more recent cars than, than the past. You visited uh, Santa Agata probably many times as yes. part of Lamborghini. 
Have you had a chance to drive some of the one-off cars or the limited edition cars like the Veneno or the Centenario? Well, unfortunately, the factory does not allow us to drive their one-offs. Um, however, whenever we have a, a training program that happens for us, for the team, we do get a chance to drive uh, the cars extensively on the track. Uh, most of these events happen at Imola because it's the closest track to the factory. It's also fun, fun circuit to drive on. But no, the, the one-offs, I really haven't had a chance uh, to drive. In fact, a lot of people in their lives would consider themselves lucky to get a chance to see one of them. Leave aside driving one. And yes, the last time I was there, I did get a chance to see the Centenario, but did not get a chance to drive it, unfortunately. So, I mean, you must have uh, come across a lot of different type of customers and you must have a funny story about one of them buying the car or the process that you could hopefully share with us. Well, lots of stories. Uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun, uh, the entire process uh, of selling a car to a customer, um, especially because the kind of customers we deal with, they have similar interests they have they're also passionate about cars and so am i so it, it's it's fun to connect with fellow petrol heads and car enthusiasts but uh, one of them um, i particularly remember was uh, i had to actually take a favor from one of my colleagues from lamborghini uh, the lamborghini dealership in chicago uh, this was during the huracan training which happened in 2014 and one of our customers in bombay uh, he's extremely tall he's he's over six feet and he before he bought the car um, his apprehension was that he would not fit into it and we hadn't received our demo car as yet. So I didn't have the opportunity to get him to sit inside it. And while I was on this training, I spotted this guy from Lamborghini Chicago and he was six feet three himself. And I requested him to actually sit in uh, in the car that we were being trained on, uh, click photographs, WhatsApp them back to my customer in Bombay. And uh, because, uh, because he was of almost the same size, I was able to actually convince him that he would fit in, in the car as well. <laughs> Great. So people always ask me, you know, Manish, why do you love cars so much? So I think for me, it really comes down to three things. And I think everyone's got a different kind of uh, mix. For me, it's the performance of the engine. Number two is the styling of the car. And number three is the exhaust note. Absolutely. And I think for me, I always love when you can turn around when your back is against the car and you can hear the car. That to me is like just amazing to hear those exhaust notes. So I've got my three favorite. I'd like to hear what your three favorite exhaust notes are. Um, I think my three favorite exhaust notes, well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question because there's probably 10 favorite exhaust notes that I have. But if I, if I had to pick three, uh, one of them definitely would be the Lamborghini V10 engine, which is um, the Gallardo as well as the Huracan. Um, they sound, although it's it's the same 5.2 liter V10, but in a different state of tune, they do have a, a very, very typical sound that the, you know, the V10 makes. It's very different from, a, you know, a rumble of a V8 and it's very different from a high pitch sound of a V12. And so I think the, the, the Lamborghini V10 engine would be my most favorite. Second to that, I would put the Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG, uh, the one with the original 6.3 litre uh, naturally aspirated V8. Um, I did have an opportunity at the time because I was working with Mercedes-Benz, I did have the opportunity to actually undergo an AMG training in Affalterbach in Germany. And I did learn about the SLS AMG, the fact that they had a team of acoustic engineers that worked only on the exhaust sound. Um, and I, I think that just describes to what level any of these brands go to to eventually create a product that you know tugs at the strings of, of so many people's hearts. And so the SLS AMG would, would probably be my second favorite. And I think uh, the third one would probably be the Ferrari 458. 
because it was the last of the naturally aspirated V8s right. coming from um, Ferrari, and it does sound it does sound beautiful. It's a very sublime uh, sound, and, and and I think you can from that sound you you can hear or get get a sense of Ferrari's uh, legacy of Formula One. You know, somewhere in that sound, maybe it's in my mind, but but I think it's uh, I think that would be my third favorite. My three favorite are I'd say number three is the Ferrari 488. I know that sounds very cliche, but I always call it the music from Maranello, the exhaust note, and that 488 just sounds beautiful. For me, number two is the Porsche 911. I think Porsche is a little bit unique. Obviously, the engine is in the back, and it's a flat six, so when you're standing behind and you hear the exhaust, you're hearing a bit of the exhaust, and you're hearing the flat six as well, and that combination is just very unique. I just love that. Absolutely. And, uh, and number one, surprisingly, it's not German, it's not Italian, and it's not even American. It's all the way from Japan, wow. and it is the Lexus LFA. Okay. <laughs> that is unmistakable, the exhaust note of that car. Right. And I remember, I've only seen it once, and I've only heard it once in my life, in person, and ever since then, it's just amazing. So my way of getting that, that exhaust fix is going onto YouTube, typing in Lexus LFA, and then hearing those exhaust notes. And it's a, it's a V10. And I think the red line is anywhere, I think it's 9,000 or 10,000 RPM, but that's an amazing car. I just wish they would have kind of continued the trend of making the LFA, but Correct. unfortunately they, they stopped it. But those are my three exhaust notes. Gotham, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. And more importantly, thanks for inviting us to this beautiful showroom for Lamborghini here in Prabadevi. It's my pleasure. That's a wrap for our very first episode of the Performalux podcast. As I say, if the exhaust is too loud, you're too old. Take care till the next episode of the Performalux podcast. Mm-hmm.